Hey, thanks for listening to the Amlin in the Mix podcast. Here you will find all the latest in music technology, software and hardware, interviews and more. Also, don't forget to check out the Amlin in the Mix YouTube channel today. Now, let's get into the podcast. I used to think of my life as a trap star. I used to think of my life as a trap star. Record on the beat, put it on the Hey, what it do? Emlyn in the Mix, Season 3, Episode 6 for ya. Hope you've had an amazing week out there creating, working on music or whatever it is. Your love and passion for music technology is why you're back into this podcast. For those of you who are new to this podcast... My name is Emlyn, hence the name, Emlyn in the Mix. But this podcast isn't about me. This podcast is about music technology, music gear, music software, you name it. We cover it on the channel. And today we have some awesome news for you guys in the world of music technology and what has been happening. You know, we like to talk about music-related things. Sometimes we go into artists and other times we more... I mean, most of the time we go into music technology, software and hardware. Now, I am actually recording this at a different time. So if my vibe is different today, that's because I'm doing it at the end of the day instead of at the beginning of the day. But I have such a hectic schedule tomorrow that I decided to just get this podcast done. For me, it's a Friday night. And most of the awesome news has happened this week in the world of music technology. And I'm just going to cover what has happened in this last week. So let's just get stuck into what is new and what is happening out there. The first piece of news here comes to us from Output. Now, Output makes the incredible hardware, the platform hardware, which is, you can't see it in this video if you're watching the podcast on YouTube. I've actually got the Output desk here. But if you have a look, uh, if you are watching the video, you can see there's a picture of the Output desk there. They also make a thing called the Sidecar, which is like a 19U rack style uh, piece of furniture that goes on the side of your studio desk. Uh, They make stands and probably the most notable piece of hardware that they've made of late is the Frontier speakers, which they actually collaborated with Barefoot, which I cannot wait to get my hands on these. I've been meaning to show you guys on this channel for many, many moons now, but haven't been able to get my hands on them. They're actually limited or they've been hard to get, especially with the pandemic and so forth. But now the new thing, and this is what we're talking about today on the podcast, they are releasing the panels. Now, this is exciting. I know it seems a bit weird. Why are we getting exciting about panels? But I just don't know really any companies that are out there doing that with this amount of love and craft because I know how good their furniture is because I have one and I'm so, so happy with it. I know that they're going to have gotten these panels right now. Panels, why do you need panels? Who needs panels? Well, if you have, you need some acoustic treatment in your room, which most of us do. I fortunately am in like a really old room here and I have polystyrene on the roof but it actually works kind of like an absorber I guess you could call that but these look awesome I mean let's take a quick look so this is coming from output here of course what they say about their diffusers so eco-friendly absorbers bass traps and diffusers so diffusers are separate to the absorbers and we're going to show the bass traps as well it's a complete high-performance system for improving the sound of your studio that's aesthetically on point and built with DeFi. I don't know what DeFi is, but we're going to have a look at this. We partnered with the sound science experts, follow the science, DeFi, to craft the perfect acoustic panels and make your studio sound and look schmick. 
I added that word in. See them in the studio. So if we have a look here, we're looking on the video. Of course, you can't see it on the podcast, but they look really sexy. They come in three different colors. You got like a charcoal, you got a white, and then you got an orange, and then you can mix the panels as well. <clears throat> the quality looks really good. Look, you might be thinking, I can make this myself. And I know there's people out there that have actually tried to make the output desk because it is so good. It is worth copying. I wish I could show you here on, I wish I could actually, hang on, let me, I know you can't see this on the podcast. So let's see if we can have a look here just quickly. I'm knocking some stuff over. There's the output desk there though. If you are looking on YouTube, I'll let you have a little look at that. That's my desk. But um, yeah, you get the idea. It's, it's look, Maybe you don't get the idea, but it's a very good quality and I love it. Okay, we're having some weird issues here with the uh, the camera cover, lens cover. Anyway, let's keep moving along. So here we can see, okay, we've got the absorbers on the screen. Absorber, pack of four for 449 bucks. Yes, might seem expensive, but it is hardware and it looks aesthetically pleasing. And if it does the job though, let's not forget... These guys are good at making things look good, but the functionality, of course, is very important. I'll just scroll through the colors here. So you got this sort of lighter charcoal or a white, uh, more of an ash white, and then you got this orange. They call it granite, sorry. Orange, sunset, and charcoal. There you go, three colors. And then as I was saying, you can actually layer these up. So you can have charcoal on charcoal, or you could have granite on charcoal, or you could have orange on charcoal, or vice versa, uh, mixing up the colors and so forth. They also have base traps now. Not entirely sure. Just looking at these pictures, the main difference, it looks like there might be a slope. And these, of course, are to be used and put into the corners of the room to capture any base frequencies. Because what happens with base frequencies, especially when you're mixing, is a very odd thing, especially in a very symmetrical room. The base tends to hover over into the corners of the room because base travels very far, but it actually gets stuck in the corners and it reverberates around and can cause some really weird things to happen in your mixing environment make it very hard especially of course for mixing bass because you don't know what's going on the frequencies wobbling and going out of control all over the place so bass traps is where it's at 449 for a pack of two these have, of course have only just been released and then you've got the diffuser now diffusers use essentially or more or less towards the back of the studio room. You can use it at the front or the back, depending on your room layout. Uh, they have it in the different colors as well, but that that obviously just stops, you know, multiple reflections from happening. Anyway, I hope this is of interest for you. If it isn't, then I totally understand. Skip to the next product, but th I thought this was pretty cool. Output reaching out, of course. We didn't speak about this, but Output actually does software as well. Now, I'm not as familiar with their software, but apparently they have some pretty good software that they do as well. And they're a very innovative company hailing out of California there. So shout outs to Output for getting these. I know it might not seem, again, it might not seem the most interesting product, but it is one of those essential things you need in a studio that's not always the most sexiest. Again, I've said this before, like your audio sound card is also another thing. It's like it's like a necessity. It's like the heart of your studio. But again, it's just not, it's not one of those exciting purchases. So at least they've made this aesthetically pleasing and good on the eye. And hopefully we can get some we can test them out and check them out for y'all again this room is probably not the best room for me to test them out in so i'll probably try it in one of my more symmetrical sort of square reflecty sort of rooms all right next piece of news here i thought this was interesting actually 
This is not only interesting, but you need to jump on this. If you listen to this podcast in the future, then I'm sad to say you may have missed out, but you do have up until, here we go, let's get the date here. I think it's March. Anyway, what is it? What am I talking about? We'll get to the date there, but what am I talking about is the Bob Moog is... Bob Moog Foundation is having another raffle, giving away one of their classic vintage mini Moogs signed by Herb Dooch. Now, in honor of Herb Dooch, the Bob Moog Foundation is thrilled to announce that they are launching their 2022 raffles. They only do like one or two of these a year for a fully restored vintage mini Moog synthesizer signed by Herb on February 9th. And it is his 90th birthday. Wow. I had no idea. These guys are getting up to the top end, aren't they? These, these pioneers in electronic music. The feature mini Moog serial number 11535 was built at Moog Music's Chicktawaga, New York. I'm sorry, I probably butchered that name totally. NY era factory during the late 70s and has an estimated value of $10,000. You can buy a ticket for only 20 bucks, right? This mini Moog has been meticulously restored and future proof for the lauded synthesizer technician Wes Target of Analogics. That is pretty exciting indeed. And in 1963, who is Herb, you might be asking? Herb Deutsch, young professor of music at Hofstra University as well as an experimental jazz musician, approached Bob Moog at a music educators conference. And that sparked a year-long discussion and collaboration with Deutsch providing guidance from a musician standpoint and Moog creating a new technology based on those specifications. Now, one thing I do know is that at that time when Herb you know, was discussing or developing these synthesizers, he asked for a chromatic keyboard because before that, essentially, they didn't have a chromatic keyboard. It was more, like, more or less like a rack sort of affair, you know? So anyway, he this guy's the top dog. If you're looking here on YouTube, there's a picture. I'm not going to read the whole article there, but I, I thought I would mention this on the podcast because I want you guys to check it out. If you want a chance to win a piece of history, then you need to enter this. I, of course, I've entered. And if I win, then I will share the goodness with you guys. But I really hope my listeners win. That's, that's what I pray for the most. I mean, this synthesizer, again, is a piece of electronic music history, and you'd be so fortunate to win this and you can get in there for only 20 bucks and it goes to a good cause this is the other thing the bob moog foundation goes towards educating children and adults alike i believe in music so it goes to a really fantastic cause educating music and yeah you can read the whole article here but it is a raffle they only do this a few times a year and it's worth a mention check it out the moog zam bob moog foundation raffle to win that amazing mini moog synthesizer all right, next one here comes to us from Adop. No strangers to the podcast. Oh, I don't know why I'm saying that. These guys have only had a couple of mentions on the podcast. But Adop makes some pretty interesting samples. And we're getting a little bit, this podcast today, we're getting a little bit chip tuny here because I got a couple of chip tuning products. In fact, our last one is going to be a bit of fun with chip tuny. But what is chip tune, you ask? It is that 8 bit sound from the old school Nintendos and Sega error and you know you've got the blips and blips and game boy game boy especially that game boy engine has a real crunchy sort of 8-bit lo-fi sound and if you like that sound or you make chiptune music or you're interested in that then this sample pack could be for you so eight up and this has come to us thanks from kvr audio by the way eight up has released eight bit get up items oh no get items sorry a collection of 8-bit samples for when you grab that energy pack secure a heart to fill your life meter score a weapon upgrade or pick up a key or a quest item or how about opening 
the chest, come on, treasure chest. This pack contains 98 8-bit get item samples, long repeaters, short repeaters, melodic, fast risers, and jumpers and crawlers. And one SFX patch for Native Instruments Contact Ableton Live, Machine and Logic Pro. EXS 24 sampler, FL Studio, MPC expansion pack, and TAL sampler. And it's 24 bit, 44.1 kilohertz wave samples. It's only $4.95. Look, I cover every spectrum for you guys. I told you, I cover the expensive aesthetic hardware that you need, diffusers for your studio, and then we cover the real cheap ass stuff here as well. I like to cover it all, but have a listen. This is just a little demo here of 8 bit. We share the love here on the Emlyn and Mix podcast because that is 8-up, 8-bit, get item, sample pack. That's not all of them, by the way. Of course, you get a lot more. 98. But if you like that, you will definitely love the 8-up sample pack from 8-bit. <clears throat> Next one. Now, this does come to us from our friends here on Emlyn and Mix, and they do do make regular appearances because if you listen to the podcast back in 2021, then you would have known there was a while there where pretty much Rolly released an expansion every week and we covered it, excuse me, on the podcast every week. Well, Rolly's back and they're hidden hard and actually Rolly has some secret hardware up their sleeves, which I'm super excited to get my hands on and show you guys. But we don't know about that. That's all That's all embargo, secrecy, that sort of thing. But it's very exciting. That's all I can say. It's very exciting. Anyway, this is Dystopian Future. Plunge your productions into a world of sci-fi scares and cyberpunk skylines with Dystopian Future for Equator 2, engineered for Maxim. So if you like cyberpunk, you like neon wave cyber wave neon wave i don't even know if they're genres i i maybe i'm making them up anyway synth wave sorry is what i'm trying to think of let's have a listen to this That is one creepy demo on Emlyn in the mix. So yeah, it really is, it really is, I'm going to stop it there, but it really is that dystopian and sci-fi, sci-fi sound, very good demo there from Biomechanoid. And essentially, yeah, if you want that, it's not necessarily, I was saying synthwave, it's not really synthwave, it's more, yeah, that dystopian sci-fi sort of sound, maybe more for, you know, writing soundtrack for a movie or a TV series or just some kind of sci-fi. It doesn't even have to be one of those. It can be a track, of course. But very nice indeed. Very, 
really excel in their expansion packs. I really love, and they're not that expensive. This one's 25 bucks. Again, if this is for you, then you definitely should check it out from Rolly. It is Dystopian Future, a brand new expansion pack. All right, this next one really... Now we're, we're, we're mixing it up now because we're going back to analog. We're going to vintage. This is Vintage Vault from UVI. And boy, do they have a brand new pack for you. This is basically all of their analog vintage sounds just smooshed into one pack. So it's the premier collection of authentic vintage synthesizers and drum machine sounds, which just got better. It's the Vintage Vault, which now includes 36 UVI products, 800,000 samples, and over 14,000 handcrafted presets all created using the original hardware 255 machines overall now if you have been following this podcast or you've listened to it in the past we did cover uvi quite a bit in 2021 and one of the things one of the common themes we found with uvi is that they essentially do some of the best sampling jobs around like they meticulously either sample instruments or they emulate the absolute goodness out of them <laughs> all right so you can explore your own personal dream studio packed with over five decades of synthesizers and drum machines from analog to digital classic to obscure all recorded in professional studios through class a signal chains just like they were for countless hit records and now you can experience the raw grit character and texture of dozens of real hardware instruments with all the simplicity of software. Vintage Vault is easy to use, completely portable, instantly recallable, and never out of sync or out of tune, unless you want it to be, of course, as it's analog. And it's all the sounds you could possibly want when and whenever you need them. So let's keep having a look here. So in depth, let's have a look here. What do we get? So we get an optimized workflow, of course. UVI, if you've seen their GUIs, are very nice infinitely adaptable uh works in the falcon player and they also have the uvi player as well and just want to go down to see what products all right here we go so it's got a new instrument here bit zone wow i want to have a listen to this bit zone this is part of the vault vintage vault let's have a quick listen the bit zone there let's move along we won't be able to show you all of the instruments here but just give you an idea of what you get with this vintage vault vault from uvi so this is emulation 2 plus let's have a quick listen to that 80s never end Slamming. 
loving this. That's hard for me to stop that demo. That is, I was getting right into it. I had to stop it though because we've got a few to get through here. But that was a little demo there. Emulation 2, 80s Never End by Dip Crusher. Very nice demo. All right, let's listen to maybe one more. So you got the hybrid 6000s, powerful analog tones, and drum from, from the quintessential SD synthesis workhorse. Let's have a quick listen. Actually, we'll listen to one more, the drums next. Let's have a quick listen to this one, hybrid 6000. Showcase by Theo G. G, 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 G. So I think you get the idea with that one there. If you like those 80s drums, those real stylized 80s drums, you got the Primate Plus here, which kind of looks like more of a Roland drum machine. Primate, let's have it. This is by Theo G. Let's have a listen to this one as well. Yeah, it's your analog drum machine affair, but you get the idea. That's nice. Cowbell. Anyway, look, there's heaps here. We're not going to be able to get through everything, of course, but that this is Vintage Vault 4, and, you know, we've got a plethora as we look through here on the website. Program 24, PX Memories, PX Sunbox, which we looked at last year, the Super 7. I love the Super 7. We looked at that last year. That is just... That is the mint of synth wave programming. It's just unreal. You got Beatbox Anthology 2. If you like UVI stuff, you've been thinking about getting it, this is definitely a pack. Now, again, I just have to mention this because I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to flog off this software. There's no kickback for me. In fact, UVI have, full disclosure, UVI have loaned me or given me some not-for-resale licenses of their software in the past, but currently I don't actually have any NFLs with UVI, so full disclosure is no kickback at all for me. I just like UVI as a software developer. I like what they do. Hailing from France, they're making some very, very, I like the vintage stuff. I like that, If you ha in case you haven't told, I love that 80s sort of dance disco beat. It's, there's something about it. It's very good, especially even like early hip-hop pop and the breaks that sort of stuff i love all that you know that essentially started from disco you know in the 70s and then it'll go into breaks and then i'm getting so excited i'm moving my microphone anyway you get the idea i that sound they capture very well in you with uvi and we scroll along there's just this just website just keeps going down and down Actually, there's an interesting looking one here, Mallow. Oh, so you get the oranges, origins of sampling a sound that shaped the 60s, the Mallow, Mellotron here. Everything has been sampled, of course. Everything is emulated. Synthox. I mean, if that isn't a Dave Smith synthesizer, then I don't know what is. All right, so that's Vintage Vault from UVI, $399. Check that out if that interests you and you just get a ridiculous amount of instruments if you like that analog vintage sound. 
All right, back to Spotify. They just don't seem to leave. And yes, they even get onto my freaking podcast because they... Look, this is a music podcast. Yes, it's music technology primarily, but we also want to look at music and what's happening in the world of music because does does the idea of creating music scare you? Does the idea of releasing music worry you or does it excite you? Hopefully it excites you. I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to keep you inspired and keep you wanting to create and not give up your passion or your dreams. There is a future for you out there. And this is an interesting and, of course, very controversial topic, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but I thought this article, this is a bit of a, ta- a different take on the whole Joe Rogan, Neil Young thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then maybe you took a time machine from 2021 and just came straight here. Um, anyway, I don't know where I'm going <laughs> with that, but it's Essentially, Neil Young has protested about Joe Rogan's podcast, very upset about what Joe Rogan has been spreading information or misinformation about the COVID vaccines and so forth. So his protest was to get his music. He said, either you get rid of my music from Spotify or Joe Rogan goes. So he gave Spotify more or less an ultimatum and Spotify decided to keep Joe Rogan as Joe Rogan is a very num- was the number one listening uh, medium on Spotify and podcasts, number one podcast in the world in terms of listeners. It's got like 20 million listeners or something crazy like that. And Neil Young is like 76 on the list in Spotify, which is pretty good. Like he's in the top 100, but in comparison to Joe Rogan's podcast, he's nothing. So, of course, Spotify chose Joe Rogan's podcast. But this article is interesting because it's coming to us from musictech.com. And essentially, the, uh, the title of this article is Why Aren't More Younger Artists Removing Their Music from Spotify? Now, I wanted to just read this for you here because I thought this was quite fascinating indeed. So, 2022... Yes, the year we're in right now, 2022, is not exactly off to a promising start for Spotify because, yeah, I know, that is true. I think Spotify, I've only done six podcasts this year and Spotify has somehow managed to get in at least three times. So on the 24th of January, Rock's grizzled grandfather, Neil Young, yeah, apparently he's like the, I'm not that familiar with Neil Young myself either, but apparently he's like the guy that sort of started grunge or not grunge he's not like not like Kurt Cobain but he's like an early form of grunge music but from like the 60s or 70s or something anyway posted an open letter demanding the company make a choice between the music and the world's most popular podcast the Joe Rogan experience which I just said before now the streaming giant swiftly came down on Rogan's side, removed Young's tracks, and tried to shrug the whole thing off by publicizing its rather vague content policy. But the stone that Young kicked over has kept on rolling, and Spotify is now facing an avalanche of bad press. Fellow icons of the 60s and 70s, music scene, a smattering of young artists, and a number of Spotify's other exclusive podcasters have stood in solidarity with Young. The chief of the World Health Organizer's voice support and even the White House took the opportunity to weigh in. The criticism of Rogan has also expanded to include his historic use of racially insensitive language, prompting the company to surreptitiously remove 70 episodes of the JRE podcast. Finally, the intense scrutiny of the platform has reignited long smoldering discontent regarding Spotify's business model and how it pays artists. Because this... Yeah, there's all of that side of things, the Joe Rogan, Neil Young thing. And there's also, 
what was happening with Spotify, the reason why Spotify was making news more recently was that the CEO of Spotify was investing his hard-earned money into AI, defense AI, artificial intelligence, which a lot of or a few artists really were very upset with where the money that was raised from him essentially making money off musicians and going to something which they do not agree with and hence boycotting the platform altogether. But this is a different kettle of fish. This is, and why I wanted to show you this this article is, let me keep reading it for you because it gets more interesting. So why has Young Young's boycott gathered such attention where others produced only short-lived headlines? That's right, those other po- those other Spotify stories we spoke about they've only had short-lived headlines and never got this much media coverage now of course you could you could argue joe rogan's podcast the number one podcast on the planet but one reason is that vaccine misinformation is very much on the public mind at the moment but another factor is that the outside outsized influence that older artists have on the music business as a whole and this is this is the part i wanted you guys to hear so the market share of new music is shrinking I don't want this to discourage you, by the way. We've got to do something about this, guys. If you're producing new music, we've got to change this, okay? So while older music has become the primary driver of growth in the industry, isn't that interesting? So accounting for, check this out, 70% of the US market in 2021 is older music. It's not the new stuff. So simply put, the industry has its gaze locked firmly on the rear view mirror which is why the back catalogues of artists like Bowie, Dylan, and Springsteen have been sold off for eye-popping figures or eye-watering amounts. So Neil Young isn't immune to this lure of this gold rush either. He sold off 50% of the rights to his music to publishing house Hip... How do I... Hip... Hypnosis. It's hypnosis, but with a G. At the start of 2021... However, his decision to retain half of the musical rights is another factor in all this. Young is able to demand his music be removed, while many artists sign away copyright to their recordings as part of a record deal, meaning they probably couldn't get their music taken off Spotify even if they wanted to. Now, I hope that I hope that all makes sense. I hope that was interesting for you guys. And I don't I don't know if you care about my opinion on all of this. I have shared it before on Spotify. And in terms of, you know, the CEO, I said that I I separate the CEO from musicians altogether. I don't see him. He's not a musician. He's a businessman. He's a capitalist. And that and that's I'm not saying that in a dirty way or that he's a you know that's a dirty thing being a capitalist. I'm not against that at all. What I'm saying is that it's his choice what he does, whether that's good or bad. It is and it is bad. And and I do stand with the artists that are disagreeing with that. I think that that's wrong. And if there was another platform especially for someone like me and I know a lot of my listeners too who probably release music, we we kind of unfortunately have to rely on Spotify because they own such a large share of the music distribution. And I guess that's where it, make, it does make it hard because you kind of need Spotify, but at the same time, you might not agree with entirely what they do. But if you can see that the CEO is actually, he's a separate entity from musicians and I get it, it's very upsetting. So I'm in two minds about this because also there's there's the other factor that, and this is my own you know thing, you may disagree with it, but I feel that 
Joe Rogan should have freedom to say or interview whoever he wants. There shouldn't be any censoring or cancelling on that. Sure, if there's some information that may not be correct, then he should definitely have that addressed and have different views and different points on that. And this is very funny for me because I haven't always agreed with Joe Rogan myself. And one of the things I disliked about Joe Rogan is he, I felt he always sat on the fence, never leaned in. He never leaned in on his full opinion. And that's funny because this article is more or less, it's saying the opposite. From what I've heard with like Neil Young and all these guys boycotting Spotify is that they are more or less saying that he Joe Rogan does lean in on one side and his viewpoint is one-sided. You know, he's totally anti-vaccination or whatever, you know. But I've actually felt the opposite about Joe Rogan. I felt he's never really, he's always been on the fence. And I didn't, I personally didn't like that because I like it when someone has a firm decision and a firm idea on something. So I'm, my mind is in two places with this is one that I don't, 100% love Spotify, but I do know it's unfortunately it is a necessity at the moment. And if there was another platform that could come up that could be better, then definitely for musicians at least that would be great. And then I'm also in the mind that even though I've had my differences with how I feel about Joe Rogan's viewpoints, I I think he is free to talk to whoever he wants, and I don't think there should be any censorship on that. So that's my my viewpoint on this. And and we kind of diverted off the the main topic of this article is that the interesting thing is that the also if we look at music as a whole on Spotify that it's dominated by the old artists and the old musicians who well they essentially killed it like they had the best time in the record industry they got that was the time to really like exploit the music industry. Now we're in a total, this is a totally different era. And now we have to make different choices as musicians. We more or less have to do every job of the musician, management, you know, treasury, everything now. I mean, there are the rare cases where people do get picked up and they do get looked after with great management and so forth. But more and more, it seems as a musician these days, it's better to look look out for yourself. Now, I'm totally obviously going off on a tangent here. I hope I'm keeping this interesting for you guys. But it is it is one of those controversial topics that does need a lot of words and does need a, a lot of explaining to obviously, you know, get the viewpoint across of what is actually happening and why maybe this is happening with Spotify and why people are boycotting it. Now, let's read a little bit more of this article as it gets to the part about the money. So, and not everyone does want to, even for artists who agree with Young's stance and have retained copyright of their recordings, leaving Spotify would be economic insanity. That's right. In 10 years leading up to 2020, the company grew from a 7% share of the US market, get this from 2010, 7% to a staggering 83% on a global scale. And the company attracts 32% of all paid streaming subscribers twice the amount of its nearest competitor apple music that is incredible because apple music was essentially well itunes before 2010 it was dominating the music market it's not anymore i don't know if that's because steve jobs left us or whatever happened there but spotify just had the better platform for this and it won that race 
So this this gets to the heart of why it is generally older, wealthy artists who are leading the protests. Recording artists have always been in precarious financial position, but after two years of pandemic-induced disruptions to the music industry, streaming revenue is an essential lifeline for many. So there you go. So you need to be on every platform distributing music, make as much money as you possibly can because of this pandemic, you can't perform live and so forth. So Neil Young's former bandmate Graham Nash highlighted the reality faced by Young and emerging artists when he signed to Young's boy He stated that many younger musicians and many musicians of all ages rely on platforms like this to gain exposure to a wider audience, there you go, and share their music with the world. And not everyone is able to take steps like this. So as the firestorm around Spotify has spread, a familiar criticism has surfaced. This is the one that's important for us musicians. So the company devalues the music its business was built on, paying out as little as one, no, point one. 0.01 0.01 per stream cent. Wait, is that one cent? Yeah, sorry. One cent per stream. Still terrible, right? Because I, I think I remember even radio, I don't know about now, but at least I've been working in radio nearly 20 years, can you believe? But at least radio was paying, I remember this, it was paying about 20 cents per play. And now that might not sound like, like a lot, but this that's 20 times this, okay? And that was back you know, before inflation or whatever. So if you're wondering why there hasn't been similar activism and solidarity with the big name artists on this issue of stream payments, the answer is that it's complicated. That's right. And it's also where do you stand on this? As contentious as the issue of vaccines has become, in many ways, it is easier to unite around than the thorny problem of streaming payments. For one, different artists get paid at vastly different rates. This is the other problem with Spotify. For For the artists that have the largest voice and the most influence, the system is working just fine. By contrast, the artists getting the smallest slice of the pie simply don't have the influence to grab headlines on the financial wiggle room to rock the boat. But the problem is greater than that. Even if artists were to take industrial action on a larger scale, it's not all that clear that the economics of streaming would allow for much to change. A music industry veteran and Substack author, Rachel Hurley, recently highlighted the seldom discussed economic realities of streaming. And while her contention that paid musicians is not a job that society needs is sure to raise a few hackles, it's hard to dismiss her large argument that music as a commodity is bumping up against the age-old problem of supply and demand. The more abundant something is, the harder it is to change a premium for it. And as digital music production and reproduction has gained prominence, the historical barriers to becoming a musician have crumbled away and the amount of music being created has exploded. And that is true. I mean, especially with what we talk about on this podcast is, is music technology right and how to create and inspire and that's that's my job i want to help but i i don't believe in i don't believe in scarcity i don't believe in that that is a i don't normally swear in this podcast but that is a bullshit term that really that does upset me that their scarcity is not you know the answer to having better music. I think the more artists you have creating music, the more musicians creating, it doesn't always have to be amazing, but the more you've got, the more gems that are going to get produced, surely, surely. I know that that was a golden era and maybe for the baby boomers, that music that they love, it's on Spotify and that people go back to it because even people my age group, you know, Gen Y, whatever the hell Gen I am, we go back to some of that baby boomer music as well. So I understand why it has that popularity, but there's no reason why the new stuff getting made now can't have that huge outreach. 
Anyway, this this article I could go on and on. It is very controversial. It does fire me up a little bit. And of course, there's our lovely CEO friend Daniel Eck. I don't know what you guys think about him, but yeah, he's really he's been hitting it hard. And it's this is this is such a tough thing for me because I'm just in two minds about this, you know. Like I, I feel like Joe Rogan definitely deserves to keep doing what he's doing. And I I just I don't understand the protests. I mean Sure, you know that that is his stance, but it's just not. It's not going to create an effect unless you're something bigger. It's not really going to create the effect, and I guess they want to see more people jumping off. But it's hard when you got this platform that is just so big and just takes up so much of the music share. Anyway, we could go. If you want to leave a comment in the comment section below of everything I've just talked about here, yes, it's a hot topic. Just leave it in the comment section below. I'll read it, and yeah, look, we let's talk this out. Let's. What is the right thing to do here? Do we need a new music distribution platform that doesn't have all this weirdness tied to it? As musicians, it may be what is needed right now. But at the same time, I don't. I don't think that Joe Rogan should stop doing what he's doing. So, it's it's a hard one for me. This is for me. I'm gone. I'm gone. Let's move on to the next thing. All right. So our last one here. This comes to us from AudioThing, AudioThing.net. This is our last product for the day. And this is the mini bit, 8 bit demo. See, I told you, I told you, after that heavy news, I told you I had some fun and light and chip tuny. That's right, chip tuny. This is the mini bit. And if you like Space Invaders, you like, okay, so eight, that 8 bit sample pack that we looked at, that was more about samples. This is a full instrument from AudioThing. Let's, let's just have a listen to how cool this thing sounds. Here's a little demo for you. those bits so that is the mini bit and dang guys this is ten dollars at the moment this is an introductory price of course chiptune synth mini bit is an 8-bit chiptune style synthesizer plugin that emulates the sound of 80s game consoles and retro computers it features a main oscillator with 18 waveforms paired with a sub oscillator a square wave pitched one octave below and the waveforms are not band limited and will produce aliasing aliasing furthermore using the built-in brick crusher you can create even more noise Noisy and retro sounds. Minibit also features a synced eight-step 
Step Sequencer with multiple destinations. Yes, it's been a long day. From noisy snare like steps to ambient subs, Mini Beat has many users beyond what our one expects from a chiptune synth. There's a few demos here. So we've got a step sequencer. So Mini Beat features an eight step sequencer that can be used to automate several parameters pitch, volume, cutoff resonance, waveform, and downsampling. Sequencing the waveforms will generate sounds reminiscent of early trackers and wavetable synthesizers. Each track can also be randomized using the dice button on the right. Custom waveforms, classic consoles, and works on macOS, Windows, and so forth. But I thought that was a nice little one from AudioThing. I like what AudioThing does. They have some really funky little plugins, and this is only 10 bucks. If you like that sound, you definitely need to check that out. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up there. If my vibe was different, if you liked my vibe today, that I was rolling at the end of a very long day, I'm extremely tired, but I'm happy that we got to do a podcast today, then leave a comment in the comment section below. I'd love to know what you thought of the podcast today and please if you can leave a review on this podcast just go to the podcast app or wherever you listen to this podcast you should be able to scroll down to the bottom of that app and there's a review section please leave me a review whatever you thought whatever you feel is worthy am i a one star did did i upset you with my thoughts on the spotify controversy right now i hope i didn't i hope i didn't just like all my listeners have just left me now that don't agree with me i'm very sorry i love you guys i just want to help you guys that's all i want to do and yeah I don't know. That's everything. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. I enjoyed doing this podcast. We'll be back next week with episode seven. And until then, I'll be scouring through the internet looking for the best music technology news for you. So, boom, you know what to do. Peace out. Boom. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Amlin In The Mix podcast. Here, you will find all the latest in music technology, software and hardware, interviews and more. Also, don't forget to check out the Amlin In The Mix YouTube channel today. Till next time, keep it real.